pardon me if I get a little uh, emotional here. The stuff that goes on in the families of faith is just mind-boggling sometimes. This little guy right here went in last week because of a seizure disorder, which required them to first perform one brain surgery to implant electrodes so that they could track what was going on and what parts of the brain were causing the seizures. And then once that was mapped out and determined, he went in for his second brain surgery and had those portions of his brain removed by skilled surgeons that were causing those seizures. And that was just this past week, and here he is standing before us because of you. We just give the Lord the glory. We thank him for his mercies. Now, yeah, indeed. Harrison, you're how old? Ten. Ten years old. I am 60 years old. That's a little older than you are, just a tad. And I'm going in for my first operation in my entire life. And I've never been under general anesthesia, but now you have been already been several times. And I want you to know that there's, even though I know that my surgery is really pretty simple and straightforward, there's still something a little creepy about it, and especially never having done it. But I want you to know that your strength and your courage and your boldness and your being here today is just lifting me up and giving me the strength to do something that is like a one on the scale of what you had done. And I want to thank you for that. All right? Thanks, buddy. Father in heaven, I just pray that you would continue to let your healing be upon this little guy. And I pray that all of this, Lord, you would use in his life to be a warrior for you. Father, I pray that you would bring relief, release, and refreshment to Martha and John and Harrison's dad. And Lord, what a, what a time of trying. But we thank you for your mercies and your grace. We give you that glory today. Amen. Thanks, Harrison. You can go back down now. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, boy. Make sure I don't emit things today. As we come to the Lord's table this morning, our time of preparation is going to be primarily from Psalm 86, but I want to begin by reading a passage from the New Testament in the Gospel of John, chapter 6. It's commonly referred to as the bread of life passage. It is Jesus speaking to a mixed bag of uh, listeners as far as their faith pilgrimage. This is what he says. I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. The manna was a heavenly bread, if you didn't know that. Jesus says, this is the bread which comes down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. And if anyone, anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. 
Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, well, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you that unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. If you could step out of your Christian context for a moment and be reading this or hearing this for the first time, I would go, what kind of a crazy, grotesque cult is this? And in fact, guess what the reputation of the Christians were in that day, that they were participating in cannibalism as part of their worship. And now you can probably see why. But here's my point in using this this morning in prefacing Psalm 86. While this passage, the bread of life passage, is commonly used by a majority of Christians to singularly refer to the act of eating the bread in the Lord's table or communion, the renowned late theologian Leon Morris reasons compellingly that this has nothing to do really with the Lord's table at least in the partaking of the bread in it. He says that the exclusive use of the word flesh is never used in the Corinthian passages which explain the sacrament of the communion, nor did the early church fathers ever think of it that way. Rather than an allusion to the bread in the communion ritual, it is exclusively referring instead to the appropriation of every individual who appropriates Christ through repentance and faith. Unless you eat of my flesh is in the aorist tense, which signifies that it is a one-time performed or an act that is done one time for all time, but has enduring or lasting effect. The action is not to be repeated. It just carries on in its effect and its import into eternity. The bottom line to this is to say that while the bread of life passage is not referring to the partaking of the commemorative communion elements, which we're going to do in a moment. It underscores the ritual of communion in the way that it is only intended for those who have partaken already of the bread of life, meaning believers in Jesus who have appropriated salvation through Christ alone. The foundation of the ritual communion is that our life, and that's referring to both our physical lives as well as our spiritual and emotional lives, is not to be found within ourselves, which is another way of just saying that we have nothing, nothing to commend ourselves to God. We are saved by God's grace through faith, 
And yet, as Paul writes to the Ephesians, even that faith is not something that we gin up, that we generate, that we, we intuit, and so we come to this rational place of decision, but rather that faith to believe even that is a gift from God. It's not something that we provide in the salvation equation. So again, this morning, I use this as a preface to Psalm 86, which is a psalm of David in preparation to partake of the communion elements this morning. I believe, if I've done my homework correctly, and I'm not 100% positive, but I think so, that this psalm was written by David later in his life, particularly after he had already committed his, not sin, but sins, his egregious sins with Bathsheba, having already committed adultery with her, bringing an illegitimate child into the world, and then, to cover his tracks, murdering Bathsheba's husband, who was his faithful and loyal servant and captain of his army, named Uriah. This is how he starts Psalm 86. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am afflicted and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am a godly man. O you, my God, save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you I cry all day long. Make glad the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. I see this being David's confession of his own impotence. Now, David says in there, and this really kind of gave me a little tweak when I read this again. He says, incline your ear and preserve my soul, soul, Lord, for I am a godly man. Again, this was after Bathsheba and Uriah. But you see, David understood clearly what a wretch he was. He was not saying, Lord, listen to me and, and answer my prayers because I am such a holy individual. But rather his confidence, not in his innate goodness, was instead in the Lord's goodness, who, as he says, is abundant in loving kindness. He continues, Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer, and give heed to the voice of my supplications. That's the voice of my, my pleas with you to hear me and to answer my prayers. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. There is no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name, for you are great and you do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. This is a confession of worship. Praising God for who he is, respective of, irrespective of what he does in the realm of answered prayer. Meaning whether God answers an individual's prayers the way they think they should be answered or they want them answered, or He doesn't, He is nonetheless God Almighty. And we want to be careful in worshiping a God only because He is a God who fills our wish lists. David continues, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name 
And I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and will glorify your name forever. This is a confession of lordship. Not just God, do this, do that, help me, save me, listen to me, bail me out, prosper me, give me what I want. But Lord, you are the commander in chief of my life. And no matter what you tell me, I will do, I will go, even if my life is forfeited in the process. David renounces his personal whims. David renounces in this psalm his personal views, his personal ideas, his personal beliefs, instead committing himself to the Lord and God's ownership of him. That's lordship. He writes, for your loving kindness toward me is great, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Sheol in the Old Testament was the place where they believed dead people went and just sort of hung out until the Lord called them up. It's a lot more complex than that, but in a nutshell. This is a confession of thankfulness. And there's no tentativeness about David's thankfulness. He doesn't hope that things turn out well for him in an eternal sense. He refers to his deliverance here in the past tense, or better, in the completed sense. That is, he sees his salvation as not something that is being worked out, but something that has already been accomplished because of God Almighty. He concludes this psalm writing, O God, arrogant men have risen up against me, And a band of violent men have sought my life, and they have not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Turn to me. Be gracious to me. Oh, grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your handmaid. Show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed. Because you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. This is confession of holy desperation. Remember, David was a mighty king with a resume of victories that were impressive among men. Before David, when Saul was the reigning king, the people had songs about Saul and his tremendous victories and what a great warrior he was. But after David comes on the scene and the Lord is upon him to do the Lord's work in battle, the women we read in 1 Samuel 18 sang as they played, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. (laughs) But David realized that his accomplishments on the battlefield were not because he was such a fearsome warrior, but were a result of God's might and God's faithfulness to him. David comes at all the bad things that have come through his life in a desperate place, but it's a holy desperation because it is driving him towards greater dependence on the Lord and his might instead of his own natural abilities. This psalm was written as a song to the Lord, and I like 
it to be used today again for the preparation of what we're about to do because it expresses the kind of heart from which to approach the living God as we come to his table of remembrance this morning. I'm going to call the servers to come on up here at this time. The ritual of communion was given by God to be a constant reminder of the fact that God is the King of Kings. He is Savior, but He is also Lord. And those two elements are not separable. For the true believer in Jesus Christ, they will always occur in tandem. That is not open to negotiation. Take this time to be before the Lord And if you need to be before him in confession of sin, if you need to come to that place of holy desperation or you're already there, if you need to come just confessing worship of him or his lordship and rededicating yourself to him, just do all of those things at this time and hold on to the elements when they are passed and we'll partake together.